another area too that I think is really interesting that a lot of people are talking about that is, um, you know, literally growing like a weed, a little play on word there, wait for it, uh, is the CBD market, <laughs> right? Um, because the CBD thing is literally blowing up, but CBD works, right? I mean, yes. say what you want, you know, it, 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 it is proving that it is, it is a valuable um, uh, commodity and certainly a lot of people getting into it. So can you talk a little bit about what you guys are doing with CBD? Because yes. that, because that is also off the rails too, because there's a lot of CBD products that suck. So true. So true. Yeah. You're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And, and I'll tell you the reasons why tell you all the reasons why. So um, we conducted an investigation into the true contents of America's best-selling CBD products. I think we pulled north of 150 of the top selling ones using uh, amazon.com bestsellers list and just going on different websites that were, you know, largely in, in endorsing or, you know, talking about different mainstream brands. Um, I, pre I presented our findings to FDA and then even more interesting presented the findings was asked to speak at the United Nations Commission on Narcotics about our study, um, which our study is currently in process of going through peer review. So this is one where we're actually going through the peer review academic um, process for that. Um, the, the findings were actually really interesting. It's a three major takeaways that we saw. First major takeaway is that 40% of best-selling CBD products had at least trace levels of THC. And where this becomes relevant is here in Colorado, we have it's uh, recreational marijuana is, is legal. So it's one where if someone wants to get high, you've got that option. When it comes to CBD, it's one where, you know, when you buy CBD, you're looking for these, you know, the, the benefits of of the CBD. You're not necessarily right. looking to get high. And where there ends up being both brand and consumer risk is that if you don't disclose that there's potential for THC unbeknownst to a consumer as well as your brand is if you operate motor vehicle, if sure. you are trusted, you were tested for drug screens at work, that could pose a risk obviously to your employment. So the fact right. that 40% of CBD products have at least trace levels of THC, not necessarily that, that there's a regulation that requires disclosure or disclaimers makes that a really touchy subject. Right. Other thing that was interesting, and this one is the one that kind of makes me the most rabid about it, is we tested um, the potency. So we tested them for heavy metals, pesticides, potency, which would be levels of THC as well as levels of CBD. Right. In the potency one, what we found is that of the 150 or so top selling CBD products, 70% of them were off by their potency amount by at least 20%. What does this wow. mean? This means that 70% of the time, if it, if it said it had a hundred milligrams, 70% of the time it had 120 or more or 80 or less. What was even more interesting for me that made me mad <clears throat> was that 7% of the time we found that these best-selling CBD products didn't have any CBD in them at all. And whether that was blatant economic adulteration purported upon consumers or whether that was poor quality assurance and poor, you know, good manufacturing practices and the absence right. of robust federal oversight and, manu and good manufacturing practices, what we see is that these, what ends up inside of the package greatly can uh, differ from what it actually says on the label. On the other side, it's one where we saw products that has many as seven to 10 times as much CBD that it said on the label. Now, if you're new to the CBD space, you're a new consumer, you don't quite know how much to take, you're gonna be like, oh, it says to take you know X amount. X well, amount. If it contains 10 times that amount, imagine being like, oh, I'm gonna take an, you know, one ibuprofen for this headache. It could be 200 milligrams or it could be 1400. 
that makes a big difference. And so it makes it hard as a consumer. And the third one would be elevated levels of heavy metals. So when it comes to hemp, hemp itself is a natural bioaccumulator. So what this means is just hemp is really good garbage collector. In fact, governments plant it in military installations in order to clean up the stuff that's in the soil. So along those lines- They planted hemp all around Chernobyl. Exactly. In order to suck suck the stuff up. uh, So you have to, as, as a manufacturer, the thing is, again, going back to having those, those different control points in place, when you're looking at the, the, where ingredients come from garbage in equals garbage out. We know that this plant is good at sucking up stuff from the soil, especially bad stuff. So you've got to put those protections in place to make sure you have a good finished product. So the FDA hasn't done anything yet, right? I mean, they're just kind of, they're still waiting to whatever it is that they're waiting to do. But I mean, really at this point, we need to get this game elevated as well because hemp's, you know, excuse me, not hemp, but, 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 but CBD itself is not slowing down. I mean, Correct. go to any quick, go to any, you know, quick market to get gas and pick up. I mean, it's on the front counter, right? Yes. There's eight of them there to choose yes. from. They'll solve anything, or at least they claim to. <sighs> um, so is the next step then we've got to get people together from a policy standpoint and start making up some common sense rules to protect people? I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, it's one where, you know, FDA's action has been largely a reaction that it's one where if the industry makes any type of health claims on PAC, you know, cures epilepsy, you know, cures, blah, 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 then FDA will take action. But you haven't seen that proactive action from the FDA mm-hmm. on, on what's being done. You only see kind of these slaps on the hand, so to speak. Um, so the thing is, you do see um, a variety of different types of standards emerging in the marketplace of the industry trying to coalesce behind different types of just trying to provide consumers trust and increase confidence, of which I'm a firm believer that a rising tide lifts all boats. And so just like the evolution of the organic industry, that's one where it's totally acceptable to have varying standards. And then over time, you know, economics will figure out what actually is truly important when it comes to consumers, quality and right. safety. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm still very optimistic that uh, something will shake out in order to support this growing industry. Yeah. Well, it, it needs to, because it's, it's, it's worthy. I mean, I know people that have, that have not, you know, have gone through medical procedures without taking any opioids for pain and have done it with CBD mm, and yeah. have said, Hey, it worked. Right. So, Absolutely. I mean, there is a positive effect too. And I'm, I'm, and thank you for sharing that. I want to get a little deeper back to clean label product now, because we've mm-hmm. teed up a lot. We've talked about a bunch of different topics, especially the baby food one, by the way, folks, replay the baby food thing. It's for real, pay attention to it. Um, but I want to talk about some of the awards and certification that you guys mm-hmm. do. And I just want to touch on a couple of them and have you kind of Explain what they are, what they mean, and then kind of the process behind it, if you would. So the first one I want to talk about is your purity award mm-hmm. and what that what that's all about and what you guys are looking for. Yeah. So purity award is kind of like our flagship certification. It's kind of the crux of what we do. The basis of the Clean Able Project Purity Award was really rooted in that peer-reviewed study on baby food that you know, the way we look at the world at Clean Able Project is that in the absence of federal regulation that sets maximum tolerances. I think we can all generally agree that less exposure to heavy metals is always going to be better than more. And along those same lines, we can all agree to the fact that unfortunately we have to sleep in the bed that we've made that because of our societal choices around mining, fracking, industrial agriculture, Mm -hmm. it's unrealistic to expect absolute zero. We will find detection of, of with modern day analytical chemistry. So what we do within the purity award is we use that concept of called benchmarking that we get big data sets And what we do is when we test a product, we'll test it as how a product compares 
to the rest of a data set. So we'll use baby food as an example. So we tested 560 of the top selling baby foods. It allows us to say, right. okay, if you're a baby food company and you want a bit clean label project purity award, we are going to test your product for over 400 industrial environmental contaminants and toxins ranging from mycotoxins, acrylamide, heavy metals, pesticide residues, glyphosate, residual solvents, a whole variety, BPA, mm -hmm. BPS, phthalates. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take those test results and we're going to size you up. How do you look compared to everyone else? Because this is America and we've got options when it comes to choosing different types of food on the grocery store shelf. Sure. The way that it shakes out is so long as your test results are in the top 30%, you qualify for the Clean Label Project Purity Award. Almost think of it like making the honor roll in, right. in high school. You don't have to get straight A's. You don't have to get 100% on every single test. It just means that your overall GPA has to put you in that top 30% in order to make the honor roll, being that top 30% right. of your class. So that's how the Clean Label Project Purity Award works, is that right. we look at what is the what is the supply chain realistically able to yield? And that's the way we look at it is like, this is the best we can get. We can get. Now, where this, where this gets also interesting is that over time, what we hope is that we get that average, that average starts to shift closer to zero so that the rules get tighter because the supply chain has more awareness is also trying to fix the problem. And so um, that's, that's the crux of how our purity award works. It's kind of like for products, it's right. uh, an evidence-based, data-based, science-based certification program, not based on pass fail criteria, but based on competitive data sets. I like that. Cool. So talk about pesticide free then. So pesticide-free, similar concept. What it does is it really pulls a page from USDA certified organic. Um, so in the organic world, and both both good and bad, um, you know, the unfortunate reality is less than one percent of agricultural land is certified organic domestically, and because of that, uh, because of birds and bees, water and wind, inadvertent drift occurs. Um, and so the way that it works is that with an organic, you can't exceed 5% of the EPA tolerance level for pesticide residues on food. Now, any detection of pesticides with an organic warrants an investigation. Same thing holds true for clean label projects. So what we test products for are your traditional battery of pesticides, but mm -hmm. unlike organic, we also hit it up for glyphosate as well as AMPA. And what we want to do is look that a, that a, uh, a, manufacturer has a system in place to do their tell own. Everybody, tell everybody what AMPA is. Uh, basically what happens with, with glyphosate is over time, just like with any kind of chemical, these things start to break down and they start to degrade into the soil. So the thing is glyphosate might not be present for that long, but you can find AMPA, which is when it starts to degrade, you can find that for a longer period of right. time. So what we do is we'll test for the pesticides, glyphosate and AMPA. And then what we'll do is making sure that these brands have a provision in place of how they're going to do their own routine surveillance. And what we want to hold them to is pretty consistent with that USDA National Organic Program with the addition of making sure to look at the glyphosate and the AMPA, just because that is the most commonly used pesticide in America. Right. It's scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you, know, it, you know what's scary? You know what's really scary? And I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation. I don't, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer about this whatsoever. But it's amazing to me that we're actually having this conversation today. We are so smart. We yeah. do so many amazing things. We've walked on the moon. We, you know, yeah. we, we got, we've done all this. We have computers. We're doing all this crazy stuff. And it's like, we're having these basic level conversations going, well, we'll get to it. Mm. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I think is what, maybe what helps restore my faith in humanity, like a little bit is like, is like, 
I'm hoping that, the, you know, when there's a problem, you know, there's always this American resolve to kind of reach a solution. There's always these amazing entrepreneurs that come up with stuff. So I'm hoping what happens, and I've heard a little bit about it, is actually um, spoke to this one organization over in the UK that they've created this different type of soil enzyme that eats cadmium. So the thing is, you kind of look at it as like, ah, once you know that there's a problem, there's somebody's gonna look, somebody's gonna look oh. to make sure that it's like here, here's a way that we can fix it. Enzymes can do that. There's different types of enzymes as well that um, eat these little bugs that eat. It's called acrylamide. So acrylamide is a fun one. Uh, acrylamide is a bio bioaccumulative neurotoxin <clears throat> that forms through. It's called the Maillard reaction. The Maillard reaction is when you heat sugar or carbohydrate to really high temperatures really quickly. And acrylamide is delicious because what it is, is it's kind of like the burnt stuff on you. Like when you toast bread or the burnt piece on like the cookie, that's kind of crunchy. Right, that's right. the acrylamide part, but it's not good for you. But what happens is now what you can do is there's, it's been a, a regulation over in Europe for quite some time. We're starting to see that emergence here in the U.S., <clears throat> but what's happening is now we're already seeing these different types of enzymes that can be incorporated into um, while you're cooking in order to reduce that acrylamide load that forms through um, that forms through this mylar reaction during this cooking process. So I'm hoping that once these kind of problems are brought to the surface and then it's going to be a matter of some, you know, really interesting entrepreneurs and scientists will be like, okay, I think I've got some ideas on how we can fix the problem. That's one of the big things I love. I'm, I'm a big fan of ag technology because I think it's yes. going to change the world. And I, to your point, I say this all the time. There's somebody somewhere in a garage that's thinking of something that's going to change the world. Totally. Right. And, and that's what I'm, I love yes. elevating that conversation. And, 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 I, and I appreciate you saying what you said and saying it yes. the way you did, because it's, it's really true. We have to start. We just got to get smarter. We just yes. got to start asking more questions and start really making some demands back. Yes. Like, this shouldn't happen. We shouldn't yes. have this problem. Yes. We should understand why 30%, you know, there's a higher uh, 30% more cases uh, of children's issues with autism and ADHD over the past eight years. I don't know. Maybe we should throw it out there for conversation. It's, it's, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's crazy. I, you think about it. Like I, I hear when I talk to my friends with kids that are in like, you know, elementary school and they can't even bring peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to school anymore because of the incidence of just childhood allergies. And it's like, how right. in a matter of one generation could we have this level, this kind of evolution of our gut biome? Like it didn't happen. The food changed. We didn't change. Right. We changed because of what it is that we're eating. And so along those lines, it's one where it's like, you're absolutely correct. It's one where, you know, anytime I do a speaking engagement, it's always interesting because afterwards, everybody has a story. Everybody has a sister-in-law who has experienced infertility, you know, a, a child um, who's on the spectrum. And, and then people just naturally wonder of like, is it something that I ate? Is it something that I use for a consumer product perspective? What am I not doing right? But people are recognizing that's like, no, it, what we're using, what we're putting in our bodies and on our bodies are expecting long-term, are, are kind of you know contributing to long-term adverse health effects. But the thing is, it's one where it's like, we, not, we might not be able to eliminate it, but we can sure as hell look to reduce our exposure. Well, for sure. You know, I think it, it, when you said that, it reminded me of a, a line from a song that says some people treat their body like a temple and some people treat their body like a tent. Yes. Right? <laughs> Wait, what song is that? I, I was just, I had that one. That's an old Jimmy, that's a Jimmy Buffett song. Oh, that is a Jimmy Buffett song. <laughs> I wouldn't lie about Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> oh my gosh. We just went, we just went on a trip to Key West because my, my partner was craving some like immersion in Jimmy Buffett a couple the place weeks to go. ago. That's a great, oh that's my a great goodness. 
That's a great three day weekend that lasts one hour. Funny. Yes. Yes. That's fruitcakes. It's a story. Fruitcakes. Right. There you go. Song. Oh my gosh. I love it. There you go. Now everybody (laughs) can play that. I love that. One other, one other thing that you guys do that I wanted to touch on that I thought was really kind of cool. And if you could just, again, kind of give us a little bit of a, uh, a lean into it is, is the transparency project. You know, I think that's really cool. Can you kind of share a little bit about that? Sure. Sure. So the, the whole motive behind transparency project is, you know, because of consumer perceived corporate apathy and government inaction, consumers are making voluntary choices to kind of do their own research. And I firmly look at moms as being the chief operating officer of their households as the ultimate arbiters of truth and safety. And the thing is, they're increasingly cynical. They want to pop the hood. They want to kick the tires. They want to read about what's in their, you know, kids' favorite, you know, food and, you know, what's in their products. And athletes want to do it too. So what Transparency Project does, it allows brands. Now, it can't, you can't be brands that are, you can't be faint of heart with Transparency Project. Because basically what we do is when we test your stuff, we're going to take the test results and we're going to put them online for the entire world to see, um, which is great for brands that it's like, if, if you walk it like you talk it, then you should know what those test results are before I pull your product from the marketplace. Um, so along those lines, what it does is we take those test results, we post them publicly um, and allows brands to use a QR code on their packaging. Uh, so then consumers can kind of use the QR code, go online, look up their lot number and see how exactly did this product test for both nutritional density, as well as things of like industrial environmental contaminants. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But again, I love that, you know, you're, you're, you've got, it doesn't come with the fate of heart, but again, neither does this conversation. Yeah. Right. So whether, whether you get a, a, a million brands in that project or you get one, mm-hmm. you just need one to get the conversation elevated. So I, kudos to you guys for, Thank you. and the brands that are participating. Yeah. Cause you're right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a baller decision to go off and do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? It really is. Yep. But Again, it, it, it comes down to if we don't start talking, we don't start sharing, we don't start recognizing the things that we can, we can change. Yes. We're never going to change. Absolutely correct. You know, so with that being said, and, and what you've kind of thrown out there, what are some of the major challenges Clean Label Project has faced? Oh, right? my gosh. And, and overcome. Throw me a few. because you no, guys, sure. You've been around a while. Yeah, yeah. We, well... We're kind of, um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a professional shit stirrer, Todd. You know, it's one where go figure when you do disruptive things, there's a fair amount of organizations and a lot of money that looks to defend the status quo. And so when you go contrary to that opinion, there's a lot of people that are looking to silence that messenger. And I am very familiar with it, whether it's receiving hate mail, cease and desist letters, um, you know, uh, you know, public looking to, you know, lawsuits, you know, We've, right. I've, I've seen it all. Um, but the thing is, it's one where it's like, you know, let's, let's be honest. I'm not the one putting the heavy metals on this stuff. I'm just the one bringing the information to consumers. The way I look at like the crux of what CLP does is we write the wrongs of information asymmetry. So what that is, is information asymmetry is this, is this economic <laughs> concept where, you know, you've got two parties and one party knows more information than the other. But if that other party found out, they'd be mad, they'd get pissed and they'd take action. Right. That's what we do is we look to bring the information to the people. And I'm a huge fan of using consumer education to pull through industry and regulatory reform. So along those lines, it's one where it's like, you know, there's some in industry that love clean label project. There's some that absolutely despise clean label project, which is fine. And I just tell them like, listen, 
you don't have to like what we're about. Clean Them Project, we're a voluntary program. We do this advocacy work. If you think that heavy metals are a good thing and you think that you know there's going to be less transparency in the future, by all means. But I can tell you between my 60 and 100,000 hits to my website by concerned consumers every day, all of which are looking to buy cleaner products, that target market doesn't have to be yours. It can be no. somebody else's. Someone else right. will feel that, fill that niche. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. And I agree with you. I mean, I think that it's important to keep this conversation going. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you're always, I said it earlier, we were talking, there's always going to be somebody that's going to counter something good Absolutely. because, because, and it, and it comes down to what I said earlier, a lot of this is just strictly about money and it's about yes. economics and it's about, you know, it, it's about keeping this wrong, you know, kind of some of the wrong things that we've been doing moving forward, as opposed yes. to saying, Hey, we need to change and we need to change for the future because Climate's going to depend on it. Water's going to depend on it. Soil's going to depend on it. The planet's going to depend on it. Population's going to depend on these changes. Yes. It's super, super important. Something I meant to ask earlier and I didn't, I want to go back just really quick is, can the public ask you to test brands and products? You can, yeah, absolutely. The, the challenge that we have is obviously testing is not cheap. So to put no. it into perspective, heavy metal tests, probably about 150 bucks. Um, that's for your total arsenic, cadmium, lead, mercury, um, $150, a full pesticide panel including glyphosate AMPA, that's around $500. So the thing is along those lines, it's like, you know, if you want us to test something, we'd love doing it, but it's also one where we're a little nonprofit. We're four women who essentially work, <laughs> work out of our basements and look to kind of influence, you know, make change in the world. Um, so it's one where, you know, by all means, it's where we've been pretty fortunate with some pretty amazing grants though, to do some um, invest to some of the investigative work that we do. Love it. So tell me what's new on the horizon for you guys. Tell us a secret. Come on. Nope. I mean, there's just, it's just you and me. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, we're right now working on a peer reviewed, um, the peer reviewed study on CBD. We've got another one, a peer reviewed study on prenatal vitamins. We received a very generous grant um, from an organization to do uh, for those of you who heard about the issue with asbestos within the Johnson and Johnson baby powder. The thing is talc based ingredients are not just used in baby powder. Talc is used in different types of supplements um, as well as different types of cosmetics. Um, so we're conducting investigation into uh, the presence of asbestos in these types of products as well. And we'll be publishing those results. So it's always one for us that, um, you know, it's a matter of just getting the information out there and letting consumers um, really pull through that information and drive change using their wallets as a vote for the food systems they believe in. Eh, just asbestos, right? No, no big deal. No, no big deal. No problem. Fastest growing category in cosmetics is just for like young girls. So yeah, that, a little asbestos never hurt anybody. <laughs> we make we make light of it, but it's it's at this point, it's kind of, it is almost humorous if we're at this level. Yes. It really is. I hate, and I, and I don't mean to make light of it because I should, because it's bad. No. I get it. But that's the whole reason we're doing this today. Absolutely. Is to bring light to this subject. Definitely. Right. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit, put you on the spot. All right. I'm sorry. Not that I haven't already, but now I'm going to get I'm a little ready. bit on the spot. Tell me something about yourself that nobody knows. Something about myself that nobody knows. Um, well, I guess I would say a, a few things. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of, um, I, I do a lot of like trying to pay it forward and worrying about what the universe thinks of like 
Jackie Bowen on any given day. So a couple of things that I do, um, I am a volunteer for the Longmont food rescue. Basically what that means is so, um, you know, there's different communities of people who are um, food insecure. And so it's crazy to think because there's these grocery stores. And then what happens is when food is on the verge of like not being good anymore, whether it's bread is, you know, a couple days past, whether it's produce that's on the verge of, of, um, you know, meeting its expiration date, what, uh, what this organization does is it kind of organizes all these restaurants and retailers that they use volunteers like myself, go to the grocery stores, pick up all of this food, and then we take it to these other amazing organizations that are helping to support these different communities. So um, I do Longmont Food Rescue here in Colorado. Um, I'm also a CASA. Um, so what a CASA is, is CASA is a court appointed um, special advocate. So I'm a CASA for um, basically children that are within the foster system um, to serve as an advocate for their best interests um, to make sure that they're thriving both in their home environment as well as in school, making sure that they get the medical care that they, they, that they need. Um, kind of there's been studies that have been done that for at-risk children, sometimes it only takes one consistent adult to actually make a difference um, that are the reasons that they become you know, high school graduates or college bound is that it only takes one person to really make that influence. And so, um, yes, I'm a CASA for uh, Larimer County here in Colorado. I think that is both very cool, but I think the fact that you are working with CASA is really special. And, you know, not only what you do, you know, from nine to five or however many, 17 hours a day with clean label, yeah. but to be able to give yourself and to lift yourself up and to lift other people up consistently in everything that you're doing is you should be proud of that. I'm proud of you for it. I appreciate it. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. I mean, you're making a difference in the world. And I think that is just something that, that is so special and so neat to be able to do. So thank you for doing that. So, so let me ask this question, right? You're yeah. out inspiring everybody, right? You're inspiring me today. We're uplifting the conversation. What keeps you inspired? Yeah, though that's a that's a that's a great question. I think in in general, we I try not of, to suck at our questions here. I just yeah, want you to no, know. We, it we, ends we, up we being very ex, it ends up being very existential. You know, I would say at its core, um, you know, I think at its core, what I try to do is um, go through life being grateful and kind of like channeling, uh, you know, being mindful and grateful and going through life that you can think you had a hard day, but then sometimes you kind of look at other situations. So for me, I kind of lead my life thinking about um, my karma cup. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like my karma cup does it overfill today. Like, am I, am I paying it forward? Those types of things. So um, I would say I'm a pretty consistently, you know, try to be, um, you know, think of things through, through that type of lens in terms of being inspired. It's one where it's like, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm a better executive director of clean label project when I'm a, I'm a better daughter or when I'm a better community steward. And um, it's one where everybody, even when it comes back to doing this CASA stuff, it's one where it's like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an hour and a half and I get to go and play with, play with kids and blow bubbles and, you know, sidewalk chalk and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's one where, um, it's those little things in life where you kind of disconnect from, from reality and independent of anything that people say bad about you online. It's one where it's like, no, nope, no, nope, I'm making a difference today. Well, you know, I, we, we, I say this, you know, we have to be fed, you know, emotionally, mm. physically, spiritually, we mm. always have to be fed somehow. And, you know, it, you're out fighting a fight that is, you know, truthfully, it's an uphill fight, right? Mm. I mean, it really is. But for you to go back and to be emotionally fed like that, I'm sure recharges that battery for you to 
pull forward on clean label and it's like, okay, now I have the energy to get picked on by, you know, 10,000 people are going to hate me today because I said something <laughs> that they don't want to hear. Right. I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. It puts it in perspective and it's like, no, that's, that's a Tuesday, but right now I'm drawing a garden, you know, with the sidewalk chalk. So yeah. it's one where you're, you're absolutely correct. It's one where it gets down to what, what actually, what actually matters, but it's also one where it's like, I'm, the work that I do every day, the stories that I hear from concerned families that have where Clean Label Project has added value, that they've had preemies and kind of have had the conversations or shifted what they, you know, fed their kiddos, um, and how I helped bring that type of awareness. It's it's those types of things that absolutely, you know, make it really easy to get up for work in the morning, right? I mean, right there's on. that there's that whole adage that you know you never work a day in your life if you love what you do, and that's kind right. of you know same situation for me. Wow. That's inspiring. I'm telling you, that's why I love doing this, man. I love this uplifting stuff, man. I really yeah. do. It's firing me up today. Absolutely. So let's have a little bit of fun. Now we're going to go down another trail. Now we're going to play a little trip. We're going to have a little bit of fun. Uh -oh. see so, yeah, exactly. You're, and don't forget you're playing for really big prizes. Definitely. You're not paying for nothing. So don't even no. get your hopes up. All right. You ready for a couple fast questions? Ready. All right. Movie or a book? Oh, movie. Because I feel bad. A good intellect would read the book, but it's like, I, I'm so busy. I need the Cliff Notes version. Don't feel guilty. I feel it's bad. It's all right. Okay. It's all right. All, all right. right. Cool. I'm going to own yeah. it. Have books on tape. You can go, if you okay. feel bad, get a book on tape, for God's sake. <laughs> okay, Let it go. go. <laughs> What's your favorite band? Oh, my goodness. What's my favorite band? You don't have to answer. I don't have to answer. I got to come up with something, you know, it, it, well, it I'm going to make the answer. I was just trying to like lighten you up a little bit. Yeah. I'm like thinking about what I'm like been listening to a lot lately that I have downloaded. You know what I've been like jamming to lately has been like the cure. I, it's just like, old school. Yes. It's back, like, I, I, can get I, my hair back. I could totally go back to that hairstyle. You, and you should. Then. And just, yeah, yeah I doubt it. I know it. it was, it was slightly orange back in those days. Oh yeah. We had a little, we had a little sun in problem. Oh. And uh, it didn't work. It just turned orange, which which was which was actually not good. Not good. No, it but, was not good back then. You know when you just like when you've got your you know your music on your phone and then you just have it on like random and shuffle and then it's just like these old songs that you used to love, love and it. then they just ah, love it. So yeah, lately it's just been the cure. So what's a bucket list item for you? Ooh, a bucket list item. Well, I'll say that I've actually, I've got a, I've got a couple. I accomplished one of them last year. Um, I had my bucket list to climb Kilimanjaro. So I climbed, um, Kilimanjaro is the highest point in Africa. Right. Um, climbed it uh, last year for my 40th birthday. And so the next one, it was, I was actually pleasantly surprised with myself and the necessary trainings that I did in over to, you know, get ready um, to be able to climb Kilimanjaro. And so there's a, another one, the highest point in uh, South America is Aconcagua. Um, I'm definitely not one where I'm at, not a technical climb or anything like that. Very fortunate here in Colorado that are, you know, just by living here at the elevation, your lungs get the, what the, the training that they need, but um, would love to next tackle Aconcagua as well. Well, that's a lofty goal. I'm just happy to get up and down the stairs. <laughs> what, uh, so what's your favorite, what's your favorite carnival or fair food? The bad stuff, like deep fried oh, butter. What do we got? No, Turkeys I would go with stick. like, I would go with like, what? Like an elephant ear. Those ones that kind of taste like donuts with the cinnamon and sugar. You remember those? No. 
but I'm oh, going okay. Gosh, those are, oh, they're good. Yeah. It's just like fried dough with cinnamon and sugar. They taste like it's fried. apple. It's fried yeah, dough. It's fried done. dough. You, just say fried done. dough. That's done. Yeah. Everybody in this country be like, great. Is there <laughs> butter with that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So one, one final trivia question. Why are you a professional buzzkill at a party? Oh my goodness. I'll tell you what, Todd. It's like, if you want to be talked out of eating or drinking anything, chances are I'm your girl because I see all these test reports. We do all these studies. If you want to know where the bodies are buried in any given category, ask me and I'll tell you. Um, so that, you know, the thing is like, it, it ends up, it ends up being like, you know, and I always say that that's kind of like my tagline, but the thing is people are like, no, I think you, you'd actually be really fascinating at a dinner party, which is, which is fine. But it's one where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, you're, what are you, what is it you're drinking out of? Like, is that a glass? Is that glass yes. by you? Yes, it's glass. We would have to, we could do some, and you've got water in it. So we I could have, have all kinds of water. We could we could have all kinds of con conversations about potential um, you know, glass, different types of glass contamination, more so the water of like where to come from, the filtration source, where do we need to worry about your heavy metals, anything leaching from the filter that you're potentially using on your faucet. We can talk about all of those things, Todd. Ad so, nauseum. So what you're so what you're saying is you're better off to have a slight buzz to get into that conversation at the party totally. than to hit it like don't start yes. at seven. You're like yes. a nine thirty, like nine. Yes, and, yeah. and you know, and the thing that's crazy is half the time what you find, which is also would be cool for dinner parties. Half the time what you find is like you know if you kick it you know, back even more old school, you know, back to Ireland, there is some reason why it's good to drink beer as opposed to water, right? Yeah, when it comes I to some of these the contaminants, depending, depending on, you know, some of these communities. So yes. I love it. Jackie, you are just incredible. I, I, I enjoy you. I like oh, hanging awesome. out with you. I love talking with you. I think what you're doing is freaking awesome. Thank I think the you. fact that you're stirring the pot, as you called it, a professional shit stir, you're stirring the pot and you're raising the bar and raising the conversation is inspiring. It's amazing. It's appreciated. It's needed. Um, I hope people come away from this and go, I got to get on their website. I got to awesome. learn more. So I got one final question though. I want to ask you. Yes. Um, if you could just share one thing about your work at Clean Label Project, what would it be? One thing about it. You know, I would say, I would say in general, the, the part that kind of keeps me going has really been this effort around, you know, baby food and vulnerable populations. Namely, we've talked about baby food. We didn't mm -hmm. talk a lot about infant formula and where, you know, this is like the next thing or like the thing that really, what would you say? Gets my goat. Is that what people, do yeah. people say that? They do say that. Okay. They do now. They do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So I feel like that's something, anywho, whatever, whatever it is that people get or something that really just pisses me off is when it comes to infant formula, it's the most heavily regulated food in America when it comes to nutrition. And the thing is infant formula is the exclusive form of nourishment during that vulnerable period of development. And along those same lines, you look at infant formula and then you look at the WIC population, the population of families that need a hand up because um, they're experiencing different types of financial hardship. They're relying on the women, infants, and children program. And the thing is, when you look at the, the WIC population, 80% of those moms reach for infant formula. So it's one where, you know, the one of the focus that I'm on now is it's one thing that it's like, yep, we've got a public health issue. We have an environmental health issue, but we also have in the process of doing this is we have a food justice issue. 
you. Some of these Uh, most vulnerable populations that the taxpayers are subsidizing the food are some of the most contaminated. So that's one that's near and dear to my heart that it's like, no, the injustice does not need to start at at, literally at newborn. Food justice. That's a great place to stop. That's a great place to end. Before I say thank you one more time, tell everybody about your podcast because it's great. Thank you so much. So check us out. Um, it's called the Coming Clean, uh, Coming Clean Project Podcast. So it's myself and uh, Oliver Andrup Chambi. And so what we do is we talk to basically other other people that are professional food fighters and uh, people that make good trouble um, within their different categories, talking about things like industrial environmental contaminants as well as reform. So uh, definitely check us out where um, podcasts can be downloaded. Oh, hang this, yeah, everywhere. Hang out with all the cool kids on the podcast channel. Definitely. That's what we're doing. That's Absolutely. what we're doing. And you're coming on my it. show, so it's going to be great. Damn right I am. Just wait. I'm going to get all fired up. Like I said, I'm going to be like a spider monkey on Mountain Dew when I come on <laughs> your show, girl. Get ready, because I'll talk the shit like out of Like listening to some, some death metal. I like that. Yeah, put it I'm on. I'm down. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Just get me started. I'll ramble forever. I love it. <laughs> Jackie, I, I truly, truly, from my heart, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for what you're doing every yes. day. Stay inspired, Jackie. Don't let the, don't let this get you down. Stay inspired. We Appreciate need you. It. We need your voice. Thank you right? so much. Thank you for appreciate hanging it. out. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. Oh, totally a pleasure. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate you being here. Take care. Well, I told you, she is something special. That was a great conversation. I hope it uh, uplifted you. I hope it opened up. Um, your eyes and your mind and your heart a little bit about some of these issues that we need to start talking about. Um, I really appreciate what Jackie's doing. Um, she's just a really cool person to, uh, to, to have as a friend and to hang out with. So thank you very much for taking the time to hang out with us. Thank you uh, again for all your support at this point. Uh, we're so thrilled with what we're doing and the feedback we're getting from everybody. Um, the way you're liking and subscribing and paying attention to what we're doing and listening. I appreciate it. I love the comments. I like the good ones. Uh, I even like the bad ones, right? I, I, if you have something you want to say, you want to talk about, let's do it. You want to come on and bring us your story and uplift and have a good conversation. I'm here for you. Let's do it. This is what this is all about. It's about giving back and it's about raising the bar. Um, for all of us, because it's what it's going to take to help the next generations to come. So again, thank you so much for taking the time. Don't forget, uh, check us out on uh, uh, our Instagram page, TLC underscore conversations. Uh, we're all over LinkedIn. Um, our podcast is on all the podcast sites, Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera. Uh, the video version of this is up on YouTube, which is doing, people seem to really, really enjoy the conversation back and forth. So please check that out. And um Just again, really appreciate you taking the time and being with us. And remember, go inspire somebody today. It's the best thing you can do for your day. Try it. It's really fun. Thanks a lot. Be good. Talk soon. Bye-bye.